We have a shakeup in Chicago, but the question is, are the wrong people being forced out? You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last 10 years or so, and this is now my fifth full season here at the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you in part by Bunches. Download the Bunches app today, and when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked On MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click on the link in the show's description notes to join the Locked On MLB Bunch community today. I am available if you want to follow me on the Twitterverse, if if that's what it's still called. Uh, Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Yeah, sorry this episode is coming out later, but, you know, we had a, we had a Sunday show. We had a Monday show. Uh, and so uh, we're, you're going to get your six shows. You are going to get your six shows this week. Do not worry about that. I, I love the fact that I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about the uh, weekend shows that, hold on. Uh, it's clear that I'm not the only person, sorry, who listens to podcasts over the weekend. By the way, you'll notice I am I'm not in my normal studio. Uh, I'm actually at my work. <laughs> I'm at my job. Uh, this is part of the school where I teach at. And uh, yeah, and there you go. There you go. Uh, I'm this was uh, I couldn't record a show last night. I'm recording one this afternoon and there is news happen. First of all, let's uh, uh, point out a couple of things. Um Court Stell, amongst other people, a couple other people got it right, but the second member of the 600 home run club, I said though the 21st of August was the anniversary of Babe Ruth becoming the first member of the 600 home run club. Who was the second one? The answer is Willie Mays. Court Stell got it right. He was the second member of the 600 home run club in 1969. He was also in the, he was also the first in the National League to sit, hit 600 home runs. So, and you know, if Willie didn't miss those years in the service, he probably would have got to uh, 700 home runs. And if the Giants had moved to Minnesota, as was their original plan, and not San Francisco, Minnesota was a much better hitter's ballpark than Candlestick Park ever was, and Milwaukee was a wonderful hitter's ballpark. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Henry Aaron, but there were a couple of uh, extenuating circumstances that kept Willie Mays from being the all-time home run champion. But yes, he was the first National Leaguer to get to 600 home runs. So good job there, Court, uh, and everyone else who answered that correctly. Um, as I'm recording this in the afternoon of the 23rd of August, 2023, and as I'm recording this, the Seattle Mariners uh, put together a comeback in the ninth inning against the Chicago White Sox. I'm going to check to see if that's a final uh, right now. Uh, I have horrible cell phone reception here. And, and and all my students seem to have great cell phone reception because they're always on their phone. 
Um, oh, it looks like it's a tie game. Well, look at either way. Um, the, the White Sox and the Mariners are playing a back and forth and back and forth game. And no matter what happens, it's a, it's a huge game for the Seattle Mariners because they are inching closer and closer to not just a wild card. For what, it wasn't that long ago that they were not even a wild card team. But if they win today and if they hold on, if they wind up winning this game against Chicago, they will pull to within a half game of idle Texas, which is unbelievable. We'll get to that a little bit later because there was a lot of news that came out of Chicago and, uh, and it's worth bringing up because it was announced today that the Chicago White Sox have fired um, President Ken Williams and General Manager Rick Hahn. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf was the person who gave like a you know press conference and said Kenny's like a son to me. He's just considered a person, you know, a member of my family. Blah 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 blah. But he's fired. Um, the White Sox uh, are, you know, the White Sox are having a horrible season this year. Just a few years removed from a uh, a, a division title in 2021. Uh, Two years later, they're firing everybody. And I don't know who's going to be the new GM. Uh, and whomever, and and uh, uh, Pedro Griffal, who is the, the manager of the, the White Sox um, in his rookie year as the manager of the White Sox, um, look at, uh, he, he's been dealt a bad hand. He doesn't have a very good team with him. But... Um, if there's going to be a new general manager and a new voice in the team, um, then, uh, yeah, I don't see there's ever a, a way, shape in, in hell that he is going to remain the manager of the Chicago White Sox. You know, I mean, it's what, isn't that one of the things a general manager does? I mean, you know, even if you're out of respect, you give a manager a chance to play out the string, kind of like what Kim Eng did in Miami when she took over the Marlins, um, they kind of let Don Manley play out the string. Eventually she was like, okay, let me bring my own guy in. Um, uh, no offense, Mr. Griffol, but he doesn't have the cachet that Don Manley has. And so it's probably going to be just a complete clean house. And um, look at, uh, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in accountability. I also think that if things aren't working well, you shouldn't do the same old thing. And also, Ken Williams has been there for a long time. And I can't sit here and preach about the Yankees needed to change you know, personnel in the front office with Cashman and then you know, turn my back on you know, Ken Williams also being there for a long time. And maybe it's a change of personnel needs to be there. Now... And again, I, I don't claim to be an expert in the front office of the Chicago White Sox. I'd like to stop that rumor right now. But here's, here's something that I find disturbing. And this is where I, it's going to sound like uh, there's a little bit of ageism from my point. Uh, and it's not. But around the same time that it was announced that Ken Williams and Rick Hahn were going to be canned, and it looks like Griffol will probably follow suit, was around the same time that the White Sox brought back Tony La Russa as a consultant. 
and apparently has the ear of Jerry Reinsdorf. And look at I have to put this caveat whenever I talk about Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa is in the Hall of Fame. Tony La Russa deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Tony La Russa had one of the great managerial runs in the history of baseball. And there was a period of time where Tony La Russa was at the absolute cutting edge of advanced thinking of baseball management. All right? Have you noted that I've said all of those things? Gracias. Okay? Now I'm going to go on and say sometimes it's time to take the car keys away from someone if they're no longer the right person for the job. Tony La Russa had the single greatest way to ride off into the sunset. He managed the Cardinals in the 2011 World Series. Game six of that World Series is still one of the greatest World Series games I ever saw. La Russa took a Cardinal team that couldn't believe they made the playoffs. They got in basically because the Braves collapsed on the stretch. They snuck in. They beat by the skin of their teeth a Philadelphia Phillies team that was one of the best regular season teams I've ever seen in my life. They beat a very talented Milwaukee Brewers team and a very talented Texas Rangers team, of which they were down to their final strike twice. It was a remarkable job of threading the needle, and a gigantic part of that was the buttons that were pushed by Tony La Russa, who, along with Sparky Anderson, remain the only two managers to win a World Series as a National League and an American League manager. He's in the Hall of Fame, but that right that 2011 game included a 10-year gap between managerial stints, and a lot of things changed in baseball between 2011 and 2021. And when someone's away for 10 years, it kind of sort of showed. And La Russa was brought in to replace Rick Renteria when the White Sox had put together a quality playoff-bound team filled with young, exciting players and a great core and a very winnable division. And it looked like the White Sox were about to become the class of the American League Central for the remaining of this decade. Now, I had said when they hired La Russa that if you made a Venn diagram of the of all the worst qualities a manager could have for this specific White Sox team in the middle would be Tony La Russa. And look, they did win the division with La Russa as the manager the first year, and I can't take that away from him. And with that, he did manage a division winner in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the, uh, a World Series champion in 2011, and a division title in the 2020. So there's five different decades. Again, but he also inherited a team and er, that was already good, and the rest of that division stunk. They won the division going away. They had like three weeks to go. And they had like the worst record of any of the division champions, but there was nobody else in that division. And he made move after move after move that just made you scratch your head. And he looked like someone who hadn't been a manager for, oh, I don't know, a decade. And yet here he's the, here he is. Now, last year, when he got the same team, same week division, 
and the White Sox sometimes contended, sometimes didn't, then fell apart down the stretch and didn't pick things up until Miguel Cairo took over when LaRusso was away for health reasons, it became very clear that he should not have been a major league manager anymore. And off he went away, and the team has been stripped apart. And now we get word that he has been rehired as a consultant, and the nanosecond that that happens, they got rid of Ken Williams and Rick Hahn. Which makes me think that someone is whispering things into the ear of Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox. And do you know what? It's a sad, sad thing. And we're going to go over that in a second. Hey, here's the deal. You should head over and discover the world of what? Of bunches. What is bunches? Now, let me just tell you something. Bunches is the brand new way to be able to interact with other sports fans and other people who would be enjoying Locked On MLB. I have to tell you about this app. It is a new app built just for sports fans where you can chat sports in real time. What do you got to do? You got to click at the link in the show notes and the description to join the app, or you can go to the Apple App Store and download Bunches now. I'm telling you, you're going to love the conversation with other Locked On fans. And maybe we'll kick in some of the things like the trivia contest and other things, and you can interact with me the more we get involved in that too. Look at Lockdown MLB group chat is on bunches. Go there now and connect with other baseball fans. Chat about your favorite team. Complain about me. Keep up with the latest MLB news. And if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, chat about it on the Lockdown MLB bunch on bunches. You can chat about all Major League Baseball any day. You can and look at it. It's going to be a fun way to connect with everybody. So download the bunches out today when you do discover our friends at bunches they have featured locked on mlb bunch on the discover tab you can also click the link in the show notes to join the locked on mlb bunch community when when you do it today jerry reinsdorf fired tony larusa in the mid 1980s tony larusa became the manager of the white Sox in the late 70s the white Sox eventually under Reinsdorf's leadership as owner and with LaRussa as the manager, put together a team that got to the got to within two games of the World Series in 1983. Terribly exciting team. It was called Winning Ugly, and it was the first time a Chicago team played in the postseason since the advent of division play. It was a big, big thing. And LaRussa, who probably isn't the easiest guy in the world to get along with, but it heads with Reinsdorf, who, if you've watched the Last Dance documentary, you can see that he butts heads with everybody, including the greatest basketball player who ever breathed in oxygen, breathed out carbon dioxide. I am, of course, referring to Steve Kerr. But he and LaRussa clashed, and for whatever reason, he brought in Ken Harrelson to be the general manager, the announcer. Harrelson made a bunch of crazy moves, and they got rid of LaRussa. LaRussa hadn't finished packing up his office when he was signed by Oakland, who said, all right, fine. If, if, if a manager like that's available, fine. He took over the Oakland A's. The A's won three straight pennants under his leadership and had the greatest run at that time an American League team had seen since the Charlie Finley A's. 
And then when he, you know, played out his string in Oakland, off he went to St. Louis, turned the fortune around. Because St. Louis was a bit of an also round. You know, between 19, the end of the 87 season through the middle of the 1990s, the Cardinals weren't really that good. I mean, they had some decent season, but they didn't make the playoffs in a year. And then suddenly they became a regular participant in the playoffs with La Russa in there, especially by the time the millennium turned over. I mean, they were the playoffs in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2009, and 2011, all under La Russa. And they won a few pennants in there, won two World Series titles in there, and were always in the league championship series. And it made that decision by Reinsdorf look worse and worse and worse. That that could have been the White Sox great run in the 80s. That could have been the White Sox great run into the 2000s and into the 2010s. And I'm sure it ate inside of Reinsdorf, even though the White Sox did go on to win a World Series. And we're going to talk a little bit about the White Sox, Reinsdorf, their staying in Chicago and everything on Friday's show. So listen into that. But you get the sense that that's always been eating at him. Oh, I should never let him go. I should never let him go. And I completely believe that that's why he hired him in 2021. He said, oh, we've got a team already. If I get La Russa back, we win a title with La Russa, that'll make up for my past transgressions. You can't go back. It's not the movie The Best of Times with Robin Williams and Kurt Russell. You can't go back and replay those games. You made that mistake. You live with it. You would think all those, the six bowl championships and one White Sox championship would quell that sense of guilt. Buy La Russa a steak dinner. But instead, he's got that guilt on him. And now he's listening to him. Ken Williams and Rick Hahn did the the unthinkable, which was they put together a championship team in Chicago, which hadn't happened in Chicago since 1917. Not for the Cubs, not for the White Sox. The White Sox got across the finish line first in 2005, and he built back a good team in the early 2020s. They went to the playoffs under COVID, and they were ready to go to the playoffs, whether Rick Renteria or whoever was managing the team in 2021. And it was under LaRusso's management that the team collapsed. Now, yes, there was underachieving uh, play by Luis Robert Jr. and Yohan Mancada hasn't become the star he thought it was, and a giant drop-off, and Tim Anderson went from legitimate MVP candidate to people talking maybe dumping him. But I'm sorry. Maybe, just maybe, handing it over to a guy who's, who is a, a decade removed from being in uh, being in charge of a team was the wrong move to do for a young, energetic team that went completely contrary to the type of style that the Russa plays. Yet here we are, and the team fell apart and went from running away with the division in 2021 to trading everything away just two years later. And it's not like a juggernaut has shown up in the American League Central. No offense, Twins, no, who are running away with this year's division. No offense, Guardians, who were basically neck and neck with the Twins and the White Sox going into September. If you had told me, with the White Sox still within striking distance of the division in August of 2022, 
that a year later they would have a fire sale and everyone would be out of a job. Oh my God, I, I mean, I couldn't fathom that, but that's exactly what happened. And how much is this, the guilt of letting Tony La Russa go in 1986, still haunting him? I'm sorry, yeah, there's too many dots to connect. He arrives, they go. I like the White Sox. I do. They've got a lot of players I like. And of the two Chicago teams, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the White Sox. I was actually really glad that they won the World Series first, that their fans got to have that taste before the Cubs fans did. There's a whole big mess of what could happen in the future of the White Sox. And I've done a whole video about how the White Sox have nearly moved several times in the existence of the Brewers, the existence of the Mariners, and the existence of the Tampa Bay Rays can all be directly linked to the White Sox not moving from Chicago. The time to move may be coming up sooner rather than later. Again, topic on Friday's show. But if the White Sox collapse because Reinsdorf is still feeling badly about what happened in 86, I'm telling you, get over it, old man. I've not seen the movie The Flash. I have no desire to see the movie The Flash, which is bizarre because I grew up reading comic books and one of my favorite heroes was The Flash. And my one of my two or three favorite comic book movies of all time is the Tim Burton Batman. Uh, and I still, zero desire to see that movie, which really bombed horribly at the box office and everyone seemed to hate. Why am I bringing up The Flash? Because... The Angels are right now kind of sort of reminding me of The Flash, a film which I admit I have not seen, but there's a sense of, in that movie, it's like, God, I grew up wanting my whole life to see a, uh, you know, a superhero movie that features, you know, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and all that, and The Flash was always my favorite, and then a movie like that exists, and I don't want to see it, and it also features Michael Keaton. That's what this Angels team feels like right now. Shohei Otani pitched today. Mike Trout's off of the, the injured list. You know, this is what we've been waiting to see, right? These two back together. And yet, it just feels like, nah, we didn't want to see it like this. We didn't want to see it like this where there's this sense of inevitability that the Angels are just, well, what are they right now? Three games under 500, just floundering, playing out the string, everyone looking tired. It's like, yeah, I want to see Michael Keaton play Batman again, but not in a multi-universe film with a, not, not even the, the right Flash, not even the Flash from the TV show. So I'm like, yikes. So that, yeah, the Angels are kind of like that. It's like, why, okay, I'm glad you're back, Trout. And I guess for Trout, it's like, hey, I want to play with Otani while I can. And we're finally getting the two of them. Remember how excited we were at the beginning of the year when Otani uh, faced off against uh trout in the world baseball classic and i was hoping boy oh boy i hope that's not going to be the highlight of for those two during the year well it turned out to be and it was a great game it was a fabulous moment it was a great way to start the year and it turned out to be the highlight for trout and otani which is again was fun in march but it's not how i want to spend my august um by the way uh the white Sox did wind up winning that game even though they blew the lead in the ninth inning they wound up winning that game so the mariners 
don't get to pull within half a game. They are now um, two games back in the loss column of Idle Texas, and the Astros are going to be playing the Red Sox. And, uh, you know, I don't, I do not think the Red Sox are going to win a game against the Astros. The, the Astros just, just look a little better, but, um, but, you know, the, the Astros and Red Sox will play today and tomorrow, uh, starting tomorrow, the Rangers and twins, that could be a playoff preview, believe it or not, uh, not just a, uh, an examination of the career of Gary Ward and, uh, the D-backs are going to be playing the Cincinnati Reds, which should be interesting because both their teams are, you know, on the outside looking in. And um, and then you have the I believe the Mariners may be idle tomorrow. Uh, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Yeah, the Mariners are going to be idle. I brought up the D-backs because they played another fabulous game against the Texas Rangers. Uh, Thomas, the center fielder, made a unbelievable catch in center field the other night. And it's just it's the 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 loss of Texas again has put the Mariners within striking distance of. The division titles put the if the Astros do indeed beat the Red Sox tonight, they will pull into a virtual tie with Texas. And but it's also made just crazy boats out of the American League wildcard. As of this recording, the Diamondbacks are the third wildcard team. They've pushed the Giants off. They've pushed the Marlins off. The Reds have been pushed off. Right now, Arizona would play Milwaukee and Philadelphia would play Chicago. And do you know what? Look at, I think Milwaukee has a, in a short series would be very tough. They've got good pitching. So does Arizona. And in the best of three, they only have to pitch their top two pitchers. So Arizona, who are absolutely the answer backs, not just the Diamondbacks, where they're the answer backs, are playing a great brand of baseball, and, it'll, and it's a lot of fun. So don't just follow them because once a week we have Miller Thomas from Lockdown Diamondbacks showing up. They're a fun, fun team. And they, they play a fun dynamic, athletic brand of baseball, which is, I don't know, if you watch baseball in a vacuum and don't just, you know, say, why does anyone want to see the Diamondbacks win? Well, because maybe they're fun and exciting and, and they're earning it. If only baseball could learn how to market teams like that. Well, we'll see. Um, let's go to today's trivia question, which is kind of simple. When was the last time the player who would win the National League MVP played in the World Series against the team that had the AL MVP. In other words, the last time the, the MVP winners were each on that league's pennant winner. You know it's not going to happen this year because Shohei Otani is going to run away with the American League Most Valuable Player the only way he would not have won the American League Most Valuable Player this year would have been if he was traded to a National League team at the trade deadline. And even then, you could have made an argument. So when was the last time that happened? When was the last time that happened? That is your trivia question for today. So follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Better late than never. And thinking about the La Russa effect. This has been Locked On MLB for the 23rd day of August, 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.